I want to thank uh, Jonah and Mike and Eric and Hope. They did a great job in just preparing us for worship today. It's like, it's like the, the, the uh, musicians, the Levite musicians in the time of Israel's journeying in a wilderness. Uh, they would call the people together and bring them to the entrance, toward the entrance of the tabernacle. And uh, the, the job for those who lead in music worship is to draw us together to come in to prepare ourselves to enter into a place of worship. And uh, I, I thank them for their service. Uh, I want to thank this church, to thank the Pastor Search Committee for allowing me to come and share with you this morning. And uh, I, I could think of no other place to start that would be better than to talk about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. If, if I were going to just do a first sermon anywhere, I would want them to know that, uh, that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and that it is Jesus Christ that calls us to be here together, and it's Him that we are to worship. If you would please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians, or I think they might have it on the screen. But uh, you know, it's, always, it's always good to have it's always good to have the Word of God in your hands. You know, there might be something you want to write in it. Uh, it, it I like to have a Bible, and I, I do scribble in my Bibles uh, that I do have, but uh, uh, I, I like to take notes in them sometimes. But anyway, uh, the book of Colossians chapter 1. Let's start at verse 13. We'll look at, uh, on through verse 20 of this passage. Paul, writing to the church of Colossae, says in verse 13, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was God's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. Uh, it is without error. It is infallible. It has authority and it carries with it power. And Father, we, we, we just ask today that as we look into this word, Father, that uh, Lord, that there would be an anointing of your Holy Spirit upon this place, Lord, that you would touch each person here. And Lord, let them know that you'll not leave nor forsake them, that you are a God who leads them. You are a pillar of cloud for them in the morning. You are a pillar of, of fire for them at night. And uh, Lord, you are our lead. You are our guide. Father, you direct our course. You set our paths. You direct our lives. And we thank you for that. Now, Lord, you be blessed and praised in this morning's worship. In Jesus' name, amen. God did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. He rescued us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, uh, we read that, uh, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. 
that we at one time walked according to the course of this world, that we walked according to the prince of the, of the power of the air, that we walked according to the spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience. We lived in the lust of the flesh. We indulge in the desires of the flesh. We indulge in the desires of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath. We were a miserable lot. We were not as bad as we could be, but we were certainly as bad off as we could be. We were in a mess. I like to tell my daughter when she was a young child growing up, when she got in trouble, I says, you're in deep kimchi. Folks, we were in deep kimchi. Our mind, our will, and our emotions were under the influence of the devil. He held us in bondage. And we, uh, we were just as, as bad off as we could be. If there were, if there were to be words posted for us that that we would that would be a warning to us it would be this as, as we would go through life there there should be these words posted for us because we were so near the gates of hell but as we would enter into those portals that led into the very the very heart of hell there would be written over those portals abandon all hope all who enter that was us but then comes Ephesians 2:4 life was miserable for us Without hope, without God, separate from God, not belonging to God's kingdom, not wanting to come under his authority. We lived according to the desires of our leader, Satan. But then you come to Ephesians 2.4. And friends, listen, this is where real hope had stepped in. When we were totally and completely unable to save ourselves, to rescue ourselves from the clutches of Satan. And then we read in Ephesians 2, 4, those two words that offer hope when nothing else in this world can offer hope. You read in Ephesians 2, 4, just two words. It says, but God. But God. You couldn't do this yourself. Had God not intervened in your life and my life, folks, not only would we see those words printed over the portals of hell itself, but we would enter into its eternal flame. But God. And that's exactly what we have in Colossians 1.13. But God. But God rescued us from the domain of darkness. This is what God did. You and I had no moral ability on our own to do that. But in Christ, we are free from sin's power. In Christ, we are free from sin's practice. And one day, it will happen as we go on to glory that in Christ, we'll be free from sin's presence. There is coming a day when all who are in Christ shall be with Christ because sin will be removed from our lives, eradicated from our lives. If there were to be an annihilation of anything, it would be the annihilation of sin. I'm reminded of those words that Horatio Spafford wrote in his great hymn of the faith, where he says, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. God did that. Now then, you'll notice in verse 13 that you find two separate authorities. There's the domain of darkness, that's where we used to belong. 
We lived in the, in the domain of darkness. Our will existed only in the domain of darkness. You say, well, I have free will. Your free will is only limited to that domain in which you exist. When you live in the domain of darkness, you do the bidding of your, of your leader. And then there's another authority. There's the kingdom of Christ. Look at these two authorities that we can live under. One enslaves, the other redeems. One binds, the other sets free. One is darkness, the other is light. One leads to death, the other offers eternal life. One is where you used to be, the other is where you are now in Christ Jesus. So as you come to verse 14 of our text, we have the assurance that we are set free we are set free from sin. There, there are two words in this, in this verse. You see the two words, redemption and forgiveness? We need to take a look at those two words. The first word, redemption, in the Greek it means to ransom or to rescue. To ransom or to rescue. The other word is forgiveness. And this word means to set at liberty from sin. Or we could say, for you and I to be released. We're released from sin. That's what forgiveness does. Uh, in John's gospel in chapter 11, do you remember in chapter 11 where, where Lazarus dies? And Jesus waits four days before he goes to see Lazarus. And Lazarus is in the tomb for four days. And people say, oh, he stinks. Jesus goes there, and he yells out, Lazarus, come forth. You remember that? And how does Lazarus come forth? He's bound up in his old grave clothes. He's bound up in death. Now, Jesus could have said, redeem him and forgive him. Because that's essentially what Jesus commanded when he said to release him and let him go. That's what redemption and forgiveness is. That you are released. And you are let go. You are loose from sin. You are loose from the, from the bondage that Satan has put you into. You've been held captive to him. You live there. Your will existed only to serve him. Your emotions belong to him. Your mind belonged to him. Oh, and I hear people say, you know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait, preacher. I'm going to wait till sometime when I get to be older and I'm going to put my trust in Jesus Christ. Who said that you had that opportunity when you get older? Unless the Spirit of God calls you and regenerates your heart and your soul through the preaching of God's Word, you'll never come to Christ. It's the work of God. It's not my work. It's not your work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit of God to regenerate that heart. And call them, call that person to the side of Jesus Christ. I don't do that. You don't do that. I don't have a free will to do that. It's the work of God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to me or you. It belongs to the Lord. How dare we be so audacious and so braggadocious and capricious to think that we ourselves can redeem 
and release ourselves, that we can forgive ourselves at, at, a, at, a, at a moment's notice because of the desire of our heart. That belongs to God. Jesus sets us free. According to Romans 6, 4, when he sets us free, that we walk in a newness of life. That only comes through Jesus, folks. It doesn't come through the church. It doesn't come through the preacher. It doesn't come through the deacons or the WMU. It comes through Jesus Christ. When we look at verse 15, we have Paul here elevating the glory of Christ as he says, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. It is Jesus who gives us the fullest revelation of who God is. No one has ever seen with physical eyes who God is. But it is Jesus who makes the invisible God visible. In John 14, 9, Jesus speaking to Philip says this, He who has seen me has seen the Father. God has made himself known to us in and through the person of Jesus Christ. My friend, there is no other way, no possible way, no avenue given for you to ever enter into heaven unless you go through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one goes to the Father except by me. I went to one church one time. I'll not tell you which church it was. I went to one church. It was not a Baptist church, I will say that. And it said, do you have to be a Christian to go to heaven? And the answer in this little track was no. You can, belong, you can believe in anything as long as you're sincere. My folks, my, my friends, listen. Folks, listen. If you, if you believe that that's true, that you can just believe whatever you want to, as long as you're sincere, you'll go to heaven. The moment you die, if you believe that heresy, the moment you die, you're going to, as my pastor friend says, you're going to fry like a sausage. As a side note, there's something found here also that, that should bring to our attention this thought. The more our focus, the more our focus is on God, the better our understanding as to who we are as human beings. If you would, if you want to take a look at, at uh, the book of Isaiah, I, I love the Old Testament, and probably more than half of my sermons are Old Testament sermons, but I love the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, if you look at Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Now, that's a vision of God, isn't it? And then it says, Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. That shows the beauty and the purity of God, where they would cover themselves because they considered themselves to be unworthy to look upon God's face. And look at this in verse 3. And one called out to another and said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When you have a proper vision of God, when you have a proper view of God, you will better understand who you are as a, as a human being. If you want to know who you are, if you want to know your worth, 
Listen, don't look at the TV set and have somebody tell you on TV how much you're worth. Don't pick up some of those magazines that tell you how much self-worth we got to have. You know, we have a whole world filled with people that we're trying to exalt ourselves. You know, I love to read Puritan books. I love Puritan authors because there is so much humility there. As I read these Puritan authors, instead of talking about self-elevation, they talk about self-deprecation. Folks, in this world, we need humility. Courtesy, kindness, respect, dignity, humility. Those virtues in many places are absent. It's not a time to elevate ourselves. It's a time to elevate who God is. The more we elevate who God is, the more we see of what, who God is, the more, the better we understand who we are, that we are sinners, condemned, unclean. Isaiah cries out, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That should be us. We should, we should cry that, Cry that out every day. Woe is me, for I am ruined because I have had a glimpse of God. I sense that one of the great problems that we face today is that we far too often fail to get a proper glimpse as to who we really are. Our lives seem to have such a high view of our own self-worth, our, 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 our self-governance, self-dependence, Friends, our hearts need a spiritual awakening as to who the person of God is. When we, with spiritual eyes, get a view of God, then and only then will we be able to see ourselves. And perhaps then we might cry out as the Apostle Paul has cried out, and he says, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Romans seven twenty four. In John 1, 1, we read, in the beginning... Listen, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. In verse 16, it says, for by Him, for by Him, all things were created. In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And that Word that was in the beginning, the world was from the beginning, but the Word was was in the beginning. But in the beginning, when Jesus was with God, because he is God, when he was there, there was no world, there was no space, there was no sun, moon, and stars, there was nothing, nothing at all, but God himself. And just God, in all, in all of this universe, just God alone. And then we find these words in Genesis 1. And God said, and creation began. I was reading about one Nobel Prize winner. Nobel Prize winner that talked about where people came from. And his belief was, and people go, oh, what a mind. What a, that we came from outer space, from another planet. 
I could just say now, we're all descendants of Chewbacca. <laughs> Verse 16, this is the first of three prepositional phrases that we find in this text. This phrase says, for by him, for by him, in the beginning, Jesus is there. And by him, for by him, prepositional phrase, for by him, describes that Jesus is being the God of creation. Whatever exists, be it thrones or domains, rulers or authorities, the visible or the, in, the invisible, all things, Paul says, all things, Paul says, have been created through him and for him. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. But John 1.3 says, All things, all things came into being through Him. And listen to this. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. That means that Jesus is the Creator. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the Creator. He spoke this universe into existence when nothing was there but God himself. Jesus said, let there be light. That's the God that we worship. That's the God we bow down to. That's the God that we serve. It is his gospel that we preach. And it's by the preaching of that gospel that people who are hell bound and in bondage to Satan, that their fetters are released, their chains are broken, and they are set free. That only happens through Jesus Christ, the Creator, the Son of the living God. It is Jesus who brought light out of darkness. It is Jesus who separated the waters from the waters and gave us the expanse. It is Jesus who gave this world a dry, productive land. It is Jesus who made the sun, moon, and stars. It is Jesus who made the fish of the seas and the birds of the sky. And it is Jesus who's made man in the image of God. As the scripture says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. We also find a second prepositional phrase in verse 17 it reads in him all things hold together see that in him in him all things hold together Jesus not only is the creator of all things but he by his power and might hold all things together were Christ to remove his hand from creation then all of creation itself would collapse and be in total chaos Hebrews 1.3 says, He upholds all things by the word of His power. What a mighty God we serve. Just think if He were to release His hand, every molecule in our body, would just, there'd be billions of molecules just floating around this auditorium right now. There would be no auditorium. There would be no world. There'd be just molecules floating around in space and those molecules will dissipate be total chaos and collapse. The third phrase is found in verse 20. It says, and through him, 
to reconcile all things to himself. Jesus is our advocate. He is our intercessor. He is our mediator. He is our high priest. Jesus, who through the virtue of his atoning work, grants to all who believe both peace and pardon. It was Satan who held us in bondage. It was sin that sold us into bondage and sin that has enslaved us to, sins, to Satan's causes. But it was Jesus who purchased us. It was Jesus who redeemed us. It was Jesus who made us know, known to us the mystery of God's will. It was Jesus who's made us to be God's heritage. It was Jesus through whom we are adopted by God. It was Jesus who, through his, who has brought us into union with God. And listen... If Jesus is for us, friends, if Jesus is for us, in all this world, including COVID-19, if Jesus is for us, including cancer, if Jesus is for us, including Parkinson's, if Jesus is for us, including any other disease that you might have, if Jesus is for us, no matter what government shall ever rule us, if Jesus is for us, no matter what this world might have to go through in tribulation, then who can be against us? I'd like to conclude this message by looking back at one last verse, and that's verse 18. I saved that for last. Verse 18 says, He is also the head of the body of the church. Don't you love that? He is the head of the body of the church. And he is from the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have First place in everything. I like what the way that King James says it. That in all things he might have the preeminence. In all things he might have the preeminence. I love that. You know, we don't talk King James anymore, but man, there are just some things that are worth holding on to, isn't there? Now, please note that without Christ, there would be no church. Were it not for Christ, Yuns would not be here today. Neither would I. There would be no need for it. There is no other foundation, according to 1 Corinthians 3.11, there is no other foundation that we can build upon but that of Jesus Christ. The authority of the church does not come from its membership. It's not from you. You're not the authority of the church. You're not the authority of this church. Neither am I the authority or any other pastor going to be the authority of this church. The Southern Baptist Convention is not the authority of the church. The association is not the authority of the church. Your constitution and bylaws are not the authority of the church. Whatever affiliation you might have with any other thing is not the authority of this church. The authority of the church comes from the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the authority. We, we need to be diligent in understanding what Christ wants for this church what Christ wants for his church and one of the great commissions that he's given the church one of the great commissions he's given to the church is to do what we say we need to go out and win souls we're absolutely right we need to do mission work absolutely right we need to give financially absolutely right but there's something even greater than all that that in all things that he might have the preeminence. That means the, the number one goal of the church is to do what? God, I thank you for who you are. You are creator, redeemer, sustainer. Only God is that. 
Our number one priority is to exalt the Savior. That's our priority. That's our priority. First and foremost, to lift him up. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, the scripture says. The work of the church is the work of Christ. And one more thing, the gospel that the church is to preach and to teach is the good news of Jesus Christ. Not about who we are. We don't preach and teach who we are or what we are. People don't need to know about our church. They need to know about our Savior. Let Jesus take care of the church. Let's take care of proclaiming the name of Jesus. And it says, and the Lord added to the church daily. Let the Lord take care of that. Let's put him, let's give him the preeminence. Let's do him. Is it any wonder that the 24 elders in Revelation 4, 11 cry out, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Let's pray. Father, I bless you today. We thank you, Father. Lord, thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, thank you for Hazelwood Baptist Church. Lord, you are here with us, Father. Even if two or three are gathered here, you're in our midst. Lord, whether it be two or three hundred here, you're in our midst. Lord, if there are two or three thousand here, you're in our midst. Father, we thank you. And Lord, it's all about Jesus. He died for our sins. He was buried in a tomb, rose again on the third day, bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus, Father, and the same Jesus who's resurrected and ascended into glory, Father, is coming back. We thank you for that. We thank you for the good news. And Lord, it is that good news of Jesus that calls people to repentance. We just ask today, Lord, that you do a work in someone's heart. Lord, if there's a soul here today that needs to know you, Lord, we pray that you regenerate that heart right now. In your name, amen.